welcome to episode 187 of Control the Controllables. And I'm joining you from Miami, the Masters 1000 events going on here in Miami. I, I've been over in the States for the last two weeks, Indian Wells, and then Miami. And I'm not complaining. There's no hardship. You know, I've I've done many a year at a difficult venue and I must admit, I am enjoying my time here at the Sunshine Slam in Indian Wells of Miami. But we have an exciting episode coming up for you today where we're going to be looking into, you might have seen over the last few days, Riley Opelka has made some big, bold statements around cancel doubles get rid of doubles from the atp tour we're going to be looking into that later in the show with jamie murray the seven time doubles grand slam champion who's had a, an incredible career and and also calvin betton who is the coach to the british pair julian cash and henry Patton, who are having such a great 2022 and now moving into 2023 as they're moving into the top 60 in the world. So that's going to be a discussion well worth listening to. I think it's an important topic as as we look into tennis as a product. You know, where do we go next? It's much talked about. We know that in the ATP meeting, actually tomorrow night here in Miami, one of the topics on the agenda is a review of doubles. How does that fit in? And I hope you're going to enjoy that. But before that, I, I just wanted to share a few of my thoughts, you know, of 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 these fantastic events that previously I just watched on the TV. And I think a, a, a lot of learnings for me to, to take from the last couple of weeks. And first and foremost, ultimately, everyone is a human being. Everyone is is dealing with their own battles regardless of the level that you are you are playing in and it, that's been that's been true seeing across the board everyone's experiencing the same doubts the same fears you know we might think as junior tennis players that it all gets better and we don't have to experience that but as we go through the levels of tennis there is many many similarities and it's been great for me you know meeting up with so many of the podcast guests, you know, as I'm walking through the cafeteria, but one person who I've spoken to quite a bit about the podcast and is Cameron Norrie, who gave his time up. And if you haven't heard Cameron's amazing podcast that he did 18 hours before he played Diego Schwartzman at the U S open, it's well worth listening to. And he came up to me and he said, When's the next one out, Keanu? You know, I've been I've been looking. I went on to my podcast app the other day and I was disappointed that there isn't a new podcast out. Well, here you go, Cam. Hopefully this will be a one that you will enjoy. And it's great to know that the likes of Cameron are are listening to Control the Controllables and, and taking so much from it as well. So so thank you for that. And um before I move into my next couple of of learnings from from the trip so far i'm excited ecstatic and so pleased especially for the team that you don't always see you know you hear my voice and you get to hear vicky at the end of the podcast as well but there's so many people work hard to make these podcasts happen and control the controllables we've been nominated again for the sports podcast awards which we how we did it i will never know the awards that we won last year the 2022 awards and let's see that you know we'll we'll share the voting platform in our podcast notes last year the support was off the charts and you taking your time it's free to vote but it does take a little bit of time but you going out there you spending the time to vote and show your appreciation for the podcast meant that we we were the winners and and what that does to a to a podcast like ourselves it, it gets it out there you know it gives us credibility it means we get more chance of getting on better guests we get more chance of pushing this podcast forward and continuing to bring it to you guys so please do that and share 
it with your friends. Get them on there voting for controller controllables for tennis podcast of of the year, and and thank you in advance for for doing that for us. And good luck to to the other ten tennis podcasts. There's lots of amazing podcasts out there. So all the very best. Now, one of the things I thought, you know, coming to these events is. Oh, it must be easy. You know, we see it on the TV and all oh, these guys and girls, they, they've made it, you know, and, and without a shadow of a doubt, there is some things that are easier. You know, the transport being picked up from the hotel, the food that is put on is, is absolutely fantastic for the players. Although $100 for players and $35 for coaches. Um, but we were still able to get a good feed with that. But uh, I had a little joke with the guy saying, I don't know if they're expecting you to eat three times what I do. Um, and if we had a competition, I don't think that would happen. Uh, laundry, you know, getting your laundry done, not having to search for a laundrette. You know, the locker rooms, you know, everything's in there. And, uh, you know, you get all the towels, nice showers, you know, well, well looked after all of those little bits. You know, court schedule, knowing knowing the match court that you're going to be playing on. You know, sometimes as tournaments, you kind of next match on, and that's difficult to know to plan. You know, making sure that you get that information, and then me, I've had a bit of a bad tooth, a bit of toothache since I've been out here, and the doctor, I went in there and fully expecting that maybe I was going to get sent to to another doctor, and he he prescribed, didn't prescribe, he gave me the antibiotics there so you know little things that just make life much much easier being given new balls before practice and you know that's these are these are the bits that for people to hit peak performance it it makes a big big difference and anyone listening that is making their way through the rankings i know that these are the sort of things that you really do crave and it's taking care of these details so that's that side but there is challenges, you know, and a, a couple of times I found myself saying, oh, my goodness, I never imagined this would still be a problem at this level. And I guess the the well-documented court surface, you know, Indian Wells and, you know, we heard Medvedev constantly arguing with the with the umpires, the referees. And I just heard his interview there at the end of the final with Carlos Alcaraz as he made a joke, as he as he's so good at, he's so entertaining, that it was him against the court. But it's true, and, and Hawkeye did their research on that, and, you know, the, the one that I liked was Medvedev is serving 125-mile-an-hour average this year and last year, but when the ball crossed the baseline last year, it was 43 miles an hour, and this year, 31 miles an hour. So the court surface had, had decreased by, by 25% in 12 months, and then the, the balls, you know, why in the tennis world we can't have one tennis ball across the board. But the, the pen balls that they were using, they were soft after a couple of games. And it really did make for a, a big challenge. You know, people were struggling with their serves. You know, the balls were dying on the rackets. You know, there was it's hard to get any free points. And these singles players in particular were slugging it out and it can't be great for the body. And then you, you turn up to Miami and it's the opposite. You know, the balls are flying, the balls are kicking up high and coming off the court. And certainly that's a, a challenge that sometimes we, we don't see on the, on the television. And practice courts, you know, you'd think that you could get a court whenever you want, but no, you know, they had an ITF junior event at Indian Wells as well. And it was challenging at times to get a court. And, you know, one story, we we got sent off to the local country club. And as it turned up, there was a big pickleball event going on, 28 courts covered. And there was the mixing, you know, of, of, of the local club members playing in the morning. And we, we booked our court for 10 o'clock. As we do, we got there early, warming up, 45 minutes to prepare the mind and body. But we couldn't get on the court till about 10.30 until until the doubles had finished on the on the Tuesday morning. And as the, the kind lady, I think it was Betty, came off the court. She was the over 65 captain. She said, look, um, we'll come off now. Uh, to give you guys the court to practice and it was very kind of her but we were still struggling to get on the court and this is 
nice to see actually in, in lots of ways because this is this is the reality. This is the reality of of tennis around the world that you know courts are in demand and that's great for our industry. It, it meant that we had to wait a little bit longer. And at times you're you're not allowed to book a court with two players. You know, you have to have four players on a court and you can only get your forty-five minute slot. And uh, you know, I sometimes think those that are new to the sport they don't realize that, you know, they think that it's, it's all, it's all going to come a little bit easier than that. And and that was certainly good to see. And then in Miami here today, we had a court at five o'clock and the system went down, went to get the practice balls at 10 to five to, to be told that we don't have a, didn't, didn't have a court anymore. We had to wait an extra hour before we could get onto the court, even though we'd already warmed up. And just very interesting to me to see that there is still some of the same issues across the board being around these players. And I said it at the very start, the emotions are the same, you know, regardless of a junior event, a Grand Slam, a a Masters 1000, whichever event you're playing, you know, the players still have confidence issues. They still find losing hard. They still get nervous. You know, they have good days, they have bad days, but it's about sticking to those processes and and giving those very similar messages as coaches, you know, across across that board. Yes, the, the level of peak performance is a little bit higher, absolutely, and that's why they're playing these events. But it really isn't as different as you might think. I am going to leave you there. I hope that little bits of insight from Indian Wells and Miami is interesting. Let me know if you want more or what you want to hear from over the next few weeks. And then before I pass you over to our panel to discuss Riley Opelka and many other different players over the years that have had something to say on this around around doubles and where that fits within the world of tennis. My my panel, I've got Calvin Betton coming on. And anyone that's heard Calvin speak, he he speaks incredibly well. He's 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 got great opinions and he's not afraid to let them let them out there. Calvin is the coach of Henry Patton and Julian Cash, who have had a, a breakthrough last twelve months on the ATP Challenger tour, making their way onto the ATP tour. And then we've got the great Jamie Murray. You know, who else could we get when we're talking about doubles? You know, seven-time Grand Slam winning Jamie Murray, who has given certainly British tennis fans so much joy over the years alongside his brother Andy. And last but not least, Noah Rubin. And anyone in the tennis world, I'm sure you would have heard Noah and his Behind the Racket podcast, but also... You know, he's 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 active on social media. He was a player that had a, a fantastic career, you know, really gave his all out there on the court. You know, one match as a Grand Slam level was lightning on his feet, you know, and he's he's someone who, again, within the tennis industry is very well known and a, and a great name for us to have. So I'm delighted that the three are going to be joining me and let's let's discuss, let's discuss doubles. So a big welcome to my panel. How how are you all doing? Doing all good. good, thank you. It's, it's, I'm delighted to, to bring you guys together. And we've got an important topic of discussion, you know, and I think it, it came onto our screens last week, not for the first time and, and probably not for the last, as, as the big man, Riley Opelka, announced to the world that we should just get rid of doubles, you know, like, like we don't want it anymore, get, get rid of it and... Like I say, he's not the first person to say it. You know, over the last few years, we've had Bartoli, we've had Dan Evans. He's had a few words back and forth with you, Jamie, as well, that went public. We've had John McEnroe, who was a doubles guy himself, that's also come out and said something similar in the last few years. And I just want to start with you, Nor. really. Do, do, do they have a point? <laughs> yeah, uh, no, it's intimidating having Jamie in the bottom right of my screen, if I say anything. Uh, <laughs> um, I think I had a conversation with a few guys from the ATP representatives and that explicitly said that doubles was never supposed to be anything other than like an ulterior prize money income revenue stream for them. And that worries me because I actually think, I mean, I think if you marketed doubles specifically, that's what people come into the sport recreationally. I think there's a lot to be said there. 
But if the people that are running it for the most part are not willing to put out the marketing for it to help it grow and become stagnant to some extent, I think that's what worries me. And I think that's kind of the point. I mean, obviously Riley putting a tweet out or whatever, you know, (laughs) there's a lot to be said for that. I don't think he went in and it was pretty abrasive and that's kind of who he is. But um, I think that's kind of my biggest concern when you look at something as a whole, you know, you can talk the challenger tour, you can talk doubles. I mean, on, on all levels, if you're looking and you're not putting the marketing details into it, then what are we looking at as the point? You know, if you don't want that to succeed, if the people in charge don't want it to succeed, because that's what I've been told over the years, then what is happening here? You know, and that's kind of my worry for doubles moving forward um, is the people in charge, are they going to put in work to make it happen? And on that, Jamie, momentum of prize money, money talks, you know, and I, I certainly, I certainly have some, some opinions uh, around this, which I'm sure we'll get into as well. But momentum on the prize money isn't going in doubles players' favour. You know, if we look at it, I think now, you know, Grand Slams 20 years ago, I think was a 75-25 split. It's now 88 and 12. And and to you listening, that's not 12% per player. That's per team. So that's 6% per player. You know, when you start looking at that, ATP tour is currently, I believe, in an 80-20 split. So again, uh, uh, or you could say an 80-10-10 split. You know, momentum's not going that way. So you, who have done so much for the doubles game, Jamie, over the last few years, and I'm sure been fighting this corner. What's what's your take on it? And when you hear Noah saying that, and I'm sure, again, it's not the first time you've heard it, how does that make you feel? What's... What's your your side of it? Well, I think I don't know enough about the, the the prize money plans and stuff. I know that this year the I don't know if the I think the prize money on the tour has always been 80, 80 20 split. So I guess it's 80, 80, 10, 10. I don't know how much that will change or to what extent or whatever. I I, I don't know. I'm not on the I'm not on the council. I don't know what those those conversations are. I mean. I think obviously over the last like ten years or so, I mean the the whole pie has got has got bigger, hasn't it? People are making more money than they than they ever had from the from the sport, whether you're playing singles or or doubles. And you know, when people talk about getting rid of of the doubles, I think that you know, I, I don't know how genuine a conversation that actually that actually is. I really I really don't know that. Um, but I think you you're realistically getting rid of you know a whole host of of players careers or or livelihoods in a sport where you know traditionally so few people have been able to make a living from the game so why would you want to wipe out even more players and take away those those opportunities that would be my um, my question you know some people say that you know the guys the doubles guys are making too much money I would disagree with that. Just seeing some of the the money that the that the singles guys are are making, um, but also you know you have the issue of you know the singles guys obviously making a lot of money, which fair play to them. You know, like these guys deserve it. They're amazing athletes. They can do amazing things on a tennis court. But you know, last week for Indian Wells, you know there was two or three teams pull out again after winning a round in the in the doubles and it's like well you complain that we're making too much money but then you can't even be bothered to take the court because tomorrow the following day you're going to be playing for like 200 grand or something but you don't want to make the effort for making 10 grand or 20 grand on the on the doubles court which you know i can i can completely understand that why would you why would you risk that when you've got that financial incentive tomorrow but then don't complain that there's the doubles guys are making too much money for me that doesn't really that doesn't really add up but yeah I don't I don't I, I agree with what Noah says with the marketing and everything I think that you know the tour would probably say that the doubles doesn't doesn't move the needle but then if you don't market the sport properly then you're not giving it the best chance to succeed or not or not succeed you know and you can't say that the product doesn't won't do well or doesn't do well if you're not giving it every chance or you haven't given every chance for it to to succeed i would say that about it you know there's very little promotion on on social media on the atp channels 
I would say it's very limited. And, you know, so much of sport these days is consumed through social media highlights packages and stuff. And, you know, I'm sure if you go to the ATP Instagram page, you you probably see, you know, maybe like 50 posts on, you know, the singles guys, the superstars. Let's be honest. It's not, um, you know, the whole singles tour that these guys, that the tour is promoting. There's, you know, there's the, the, the very kind of very top end of the sport that those are the guys that get the the headlines and the the media, you know, the, or the, the, the platform, you know, the rest of the guys are kind of, you know, in the same boat as the as the doubles guys. I I think personally, um, I guess that's some of my some of my thoughts on it. But I think like the you know tournaments like we were in Indian Wells last week. Doubles you know, was if well you have, like yeah, well yeah, but if you want to have eighty thousand, ninety thousand people coming through your through your doors each day, you have to have content for those fans to consume, right? You can't just host a tournament on on two courts. You know, you need to be having seven, eight, nine match courts. And in order to do that, you need bigger draws. You you know, in singles, you need doubles matches going on. Otherwise, what have these people got to watch? They're buying a ticket to then watch tennis on the big screen. Like it doesn't it doesn't work like that. And I think people need to be more aware of that, I think, as well. I think. I think, Carl, before you jump in here, I think my thing on it, is anyone buying a ticket to watch a Pelka player Rusevori? I'm not sure they are. You know, is anyone buying a ticket to watch Giron play against Barrer? You know, like, you know, amazing athletes, amazing tennis players. I'm just not sure that you can differentiate a run-of-the-mill singles player from a doubles team so much. You know, because because actually, I think let's let's get real here. And we were in Indian Wells last week, Jamie. It was the Alcaraz Sviatek show. That's what it was. You know, every everything was set around their night match. The the other matches are then decorated around that, like you say, to provide content, to provide to provide a show. Just like, and if we take ourselves away from tennis here, you know, if I you know here in Miami, if I hear that Tiger Woods is playing. A golf event in Miami this week. I'm paying a couple hundred bucks to go and watch that golf event for Tiger Woods. Now, whilst I'm there, I might see Matt Fitzpatrick get a hole in one. And that might be like awesome. Like the crowd goes crazy. And, you know, that that really makes my day. And I talk about about that as a big, big part of my entertainment package from the day. And 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 I just think on Live Golf, you know, Live Golf paid a hundred million for Phil Mickelson. You know, it's it's smart commercial way of working, right? That's these are the people that are selling the tickets. And where I struggle is when anyone outside of the superstar status has too many grand opinions about getting rid of someone else's livelihood. Because I just I, I don't think that people are necessarily going to tennis tournaments to watch specifically to watch any players outside of the big names or as an example you Jamie in Scotland people would be absolutely going to watch you whether you're playing singles doubles or tiddlywinks you know if it's if it's if it's got localized interest and and that's I think where for me it doesn't fully sit right and where I and it's the same it's been the same argument over the years about women's tennis you've got guys 60 in the world saying women shouldn't get paid as much as the men and I think it was Andy who came out and said, dude, nobody gives a shit about you. <laughs> you know, somebody, they, they, they're paying the ticket to come and watch Roger and Serena, you know, and, and, and I just think that's that's an important part of it. And, you know, whether it's singles, doubles, like you're saying, it's it's an entertainment package. It's a ticket that you're that you're going. You're specifically going to see the superstar. But what comes with it is a highly entertaining doubles match or potentially a highly entertaining singles match as well. I don't know what you think of that, Cal. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's there's two parts to it. I mean, Jamie makes a really fair point that um, you've got to have content, and that that's the main thing. I think that no matter how many courts you've got, you're going to charge people. I think Wimbledon charged, but Wimbledon probably charging fifty quid this year for a grounds pass. And but once you get past day three or day four, probably about thirty percent of your content is going to be doubles. I think in in one form or another, in in men's doubles, women's doubles, or mixed doubles on the outside courts. And that's what most people who are 
there watching once you get into Wimbledon. And it was the same. I was at Delray two or three weeks ago, and it was the same then. And, and there were people watching doubles matches. So you then come into the second side of it, which is Riley Opelka saying that he'd get rid of doubles because the only people that watch doubles are people who go to watch the singles players anyway. Um, now, I don't know why anyone asked Riley Opelka's opinion on anything, to be honest, but that's that's by the by. But the two lads who I coach were playing Dennis Kudler and Christian Harrison in the first round, and I think there were about 250 people there watching. Now, all due respect, I think he's a great guy, but I don't think they were there to watch Dennis Kudler, who was the only singles player on show. Um, I watched Jamie and Mike last week play against Evo and John Piers, and again, Evo's a friend of mine, but the stadium was full, and I don't think they're filling a stadium to come and watch Dan Evans. Um, so that's not based in any sort of reality. The people who go and watch doubles are people who just really like watching tennis, and they don't care what it is. They want to watch tennis, but you've got to put something on for them to watch at these tournaments. And if you only have the singles, most tournaments only have a 32 draw. That means by the time you get to the second round, you've only got eight matches to watch. So you better find if you're not paying, if you're not going to have doubles on, you better find something else to fill the time. Or the next thing is those singles players aren't getting the prize money either because they're not making as much money in terms of revenue from standard tickets and corporate tickets as well. I think like, I mean, we talked about it a bit before Kierno, but it's like what Calvin says, like there's people, there's different types of people that go to a tennis event, right? Like there's people who, you know, are hardcore tennis fans who just want to get a ticket and they'll go watch everything they possibly can and consume as much as they can in the in the time that they're there there's people who are probably casual fans who probably want to go to watch their you know superstar players that's priority for them to get a glimpse of Rafa or Novak or Swiatek or or whoever and then there's people who are not tennis fans at all but they want to go to an event and then they'll consume whatever it is they'll Champagne. sit on court 17 and watch or yeah, or they won't even watch tennis. They'll be there sitting in the corporates and, yeah, enjoying the the kind of hospitality aspects of it as well. And you have to cater for all those all those different people. And if you don't have content for these people to consume, the event is it doesn't become an event anymore. It's really just I don't know. Maybe it's a tennis tournament that's shown on two courts. But like you said, you can't sell eighty to hundred thousand tickets at the U.S. Open on a Thursday with only, you know, two or three courts in action because not everyone can then watch any tennis. But could but when we talk about market and value and bring you back in here, Noah, on this, the the reality is, and we just talk there off air about pickleball. This is a one million dollar match, not with professional pickleball players. Yeah, they they're tennis players. But if you put Donald Duck, Tom Brady Oprah Winfrey and Taylor Swift and a mixed doubles court, centre court, Hard Rock, Miami next week, it would sell out. I'm sure the tennis would be pretty poor, if we're being honest. I mean, I've heard Donald's forehand's not bad, but, it, you know, I, I'm not convinced it's good because people are want to see don't they they want to see the influences in their world they want to they want to see the people that they can relate to almost almost do anything so so my question to you nor is how do we get more not just doubles actually i'd almost put the doubles guys and the lower ranked singles guys in a similar sort of boat you know how do we how do we make them into something that that people want to come and see yeah, I mean, I think this conversation, I mean, we, you know, when we've spoken about, um, you know, the gender pay gap between men and women as well, you know, that's, it's such a specific sport, you know, the the fact that you can go to Indian Wells, US Open, whatever it may be, Wimby, and, and turn around, you have one of the best, you know, women athletes of all time, and then you have one of the best male athletes of all time right next to them. And I think tennis has always, for me, come down to just awful marketing as a whole. You know, I, I feel like we're 15, 20 years behind other sports. So when, you know, you look at the product on just a men and women's side, I mean, we should be marketing that, the combination of them too, because I feel like, I, I don't know if there's another sport. I mean, I guess you can include golf, but I'm using a more physical sport. I'm, I'm not sure there's another sport at this level of physicality that is this closely connected between men and women. And And I think when you're looking at doubles on that side as well, it comes down to a marketing play. I mean, I talk to people all the time when I'm in New York, they only play doubles. <laughs> 
and they and they love watching it. It's high intensity. You know, when you play college tennis, the doubles is very exciting. So I think it comes down to the fact that it's always been put on the back burner. So it's then it's a lose lose. So then it's like okay, the doubles guys or women are not being marketed, so they're not bringing in as much money as they should. Not on them, not on the players, but that section. And then from there, it's just like okay, now we're just letting them kind of hang out to dry. So that's kind of my worry with it as a whole. And this is on tennis as a whole is just we are 15 years behind the marketing scheme. So you have men and women, you know, as a whole on the tennis side that are struggling to get the money they deserve because the marketing's not there. And then you have doubles, you know, which we're all fighting within ourselves. You know, the fact that another tennis player is saying that another tennis player should not be making a living. It shouldn't be that, you know, we should be helping each other. And, you know, tennis has kind of been in this place where, we are fighting against each other. It's like a little bit of the civil war where we can't get out of our own bubble. We can't compete against other sports. And I think that's kind of where we've lacked in the past. And I think that's kind of where we've lost the evolution and, and doubles taken a hit from it. And it's in this kind of limbo stage. In terms of the marketing, but I think also in terms of the technical and the tactical differences, I think a, a sport that is is similar to, to tennis in that regard and what they could do with doubles is cricket. If you look at how cricket have changed the different disciplines, the different you've scoring systems. You've lost Noah. No, I'm, I'm following. <laughs> I've, never, I've never really heard of Craig. But but, <laughs> but we have this sort of, there's been this debate, I guess, recently about whether doubles players are as good at tennis as um, as singles players. And I think it's, it's probably better to look at in terms of how cricketers look at it. There's certain people who specialise in certain disciplines of cricket. There's also certain players who can play all the disciplines. But you don't look now, maybe a few years ago we used to, but you don't look now at, at those players who only play 2020 and see them as lesser cricketers than the guys who only play test or one days or vice versa. And now you've got a situation where cricket is filling stadiums for all of their disciplines. And I don't see a reason why we can't do that in tennis um, in that regard. And 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 just it's just a different kind of marketing, I think. But it's also, like I say, it's, it's the dismissiveness that kind of doubles players have suffered recently of this idea that they're they're just not quite as good. When I can tell you they are, it, it, it's it's they they're better at doubles than the singles players are. They just happen to be a few singles players who can play doubles. But if you put Daniel Medvedev and Andre Rublev on a doubles court, they're not beating any of the top twenty doubles players, top twenty doubles pairs in the world. And I'd say even further down, they're not beating any of the top eighty. I mean, I've. I brought it up before a few times and been kind of shit on for it was like kind of the idea of doubles breaking off in a way. I mean, I think if you're talking about cricket, which I'm trying to understand, I don't know <laughs> on that side, I'll be honest with you. But, you know, if you're saying they're filling stadiums, you know, for all the different genres of cricket, then there should be no reason why doubles couldn't. And if it had its own marketing, if it had its own kind of, I don't know, stadium for it, I think there's love to be had. I mean, you keep it at the slams you keep it at maybe even masters but from there on maybe you have doubles tournaments maybe that is the way that you know the marketing could be there for the doubles i mean i'm not saying get rid of them that's not my idea it's just more give it kind of the base it deserves rather than in the shadow of singles a little bit and i have been shit on for that idea but i just i'm just trying to think of how doubles could have that platform and use its voice rather than kind of again be under the shadow of you know, singles where I can't even remember the last time people were really talking about doubles finals, you know, unless, you know, Kyrgios was like one of the last ones that I remember people really going out of their way, you know, and talking about it. So it is constantly under the shadow of, and I think, I don't know, maybe there's a way to to bring it out from that. I, I have to share a quick story. And, and if Jack Sox listening to this, then that's, that's okay, Jack, you can, you can respond. Um, <laughs> but last Last week in Indian Wells, and, and there's two sides, two parts of the story, but I was sat there with the Skupski brothers, and it was quarterfinal of doubles day. And Jack walked past and said, hey, Neil, uh, I think he tried to play golf with him earlier in the week. He said, look, let's play Sunday after our final. And... Um, Neil said, well, I'm only in the quarters, dude. You know, like, there's a lot, there's a long way to go here. And Jack's Jack, as he was he was walking on court a couple of hours later to play Fognini Bellelli, he said, um, "Well, this is our tough one tonight. But if we get through this one, then we'll we'll see you guys in the final on Saturday." And I must admit, on Friday night, as I watched Bapana 
Ebden beat Isna Sock six and five. There was a smile on my face, you know, thinking, you know, just a little bit of humility wouldn't go wouldn't go astray. However, it's that subtlety, you know, we talk a lot about subtle sexism, but there's there's this subtle doublesism that seems to happen. And and the same thing happened on Twitter. Marty Fish, uh, Sock and Isner had just won their, I think, quarterfinal match or whatever it might have been, and he wrote by far the best doubles team in the whole world if they if they played a bar, bar none, not even close. Da, 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 you know, like he went really big on it. And again, he didn't realise probably that he's doing it, but it's that whole thing, like you're saying, no, of living in the shadow, this, this disrespect, you know, this disrespect for it. And Jamie, I want to bring you in here now because that is, we, we hear it, failed singles players, not fit enough, don't work hard enough. You know, these are... These are the slants that come. Now, last week, Rohan Bapana, legend, Bops, what a legend he is. But age 43, 23 days older than me. You know, I retired 18 years ago. You know, like, it it blows my mind. It, you know, it was the oldest, the oldest man to ever win a ATP 1000 event with his partner, Matt Ebden. Now, for those that are throwing shade at doubles... Does that not almost help their argument? Of you, there's 43 year olds that are winning these events. Well, I guess it goes both ways, doesn't it? I mean, you could say what how on earth a 43 year old winning, you know, one of the biggest titles on the on the ATP tour, but then of course you can say, well, yeah, they sh- he shouldn't be beating these these top singles guys, but you know, it's a different game, different different skill set. I mean, you know, Jack and John have both had loads of success in in doubles and you know jack you know has won grand slams and tour finals and and masters and stuff and you know has an amazing sort of feel for a doubles game like has really good like continental grip skills which a lot of singles guys don't have and that allows him to be very successful on on the doubles court and yeah i mean for me i like I, I honestly, I mean, no, maybe no better than me. Like, I, I mean, I've been playing a long time. Like, I don't, I don't feel like there's loads of hostility in the locker room or trash talking about the doubles game or or doubles players from the from the singles side. Like, I don't, I, I don't feel that. Occasionally, you know, comments come up or whatever, but I don't get the feeling that you know it's a, it's like a there's loads of animosity amongst the the player group I, I, I don't feel that at all or at least that i haven't experienced it and like i said i've been playing been playing a long time um but for me like that's you know once you get on the court it doesn't matter if you play singles you play doubles or what your age at like you just have to be good enough and if you're not good enough you'll you'll get beat and you know the level level is high like the doubles game you know it's changed over the years because loads of guys now serve and stay back and that's obviously helped a lot of the singles guys to be successful. And I think they've also, because they've had the opportunity to play more and more, they've started to understand how their skill set can be used to be successful on, on the doubles court. And, you know, that, that also makes it exciting, right? It's another, it's another challenge. You get some, you know, fun rallies, fun matches and stuff. Um, For me, it's just the, the way it's set up just now doesn't, doesn't work for, for doubles like you're not putting the best sort of product out there you know whether that's in terms of like the scheduling of matches or the length of the doubles tournament even within the the tournament itself you know or even like you know we have the ability to play even quicker than what we do and especially at a time where you know tennis is crying out for some like quicker matches or a quicker product at certain you know I'm not saying every week or anything like that you know doubles can do that without having to change the scoring system I mean if you're going to do that in singles you'd have to change the scoring system to, to to cut out you know relevant time but you know even for us like getting rid of changeovers and stuff would be would be a good thing for the for the doubles game I think because it'd just be a much better flow to the matches be more action in a sort of condensed period of time which you know surely is more fun for for fans that are in the stadium or, you know, watching at home for, for TV and stuff, if they know they've got a, a better, 
idea of how long the matches are gonna are are gonna take. Maybe there's more incentive to kind of show those matches or for tournaments to put the doubles matches on center court before after, you know, some of the bigger singles matches if they know right, okay, this is is taking an hour maximum for for example. But right now it could be an hour to over two hours potentially. Um which, you know, for me is not it's not good for the product that we're trying to trying to put out there. I don't, I, I don't think, but it's stuff like that, that bugs me because it's these sort of small changes that could make quite a big impact potentially on the game without actually costing people time or money or, or, or effort, you know, whether that, you know, translates into millions of people watching it. I, I don't know, but at least it would give, as a better product to put put out there for all the different stakeholders that there are in the game. Yeah, and I know and Wimbledon have done that, haven't they? They they've gone from the five sets to three sets for the first time this year. But even even a three set open scoring system match can take. I mean, some of the doubles in Aussie Open were two and a half hours. So how long, Cal, is it until the the Grand Slams go to match tiebreak, third, sudden death, juice scoring? Um, I think we're probably a while off they go for both. It wouldn't surprise me if they go for one of them um, at some stage in the next few years. I, I quite like it, to be honest, that the slams don't do it. I think it, it, it makes the slams a little bit different from the other tournaments that they that they do uh, They do that. I don't know why tennis tournaments in general all have to stick by the same scoring system for everything. No other sport would do that. You look at snooker, you look at darts and things like that. They have different different scoring systems at different tournaments. Um, I don't really see why we have to stick with the same one for every tournament. The rules of the game stay the same. The court's the same size, the net's the same size, but I don't get why, you know, at certain tournaments, to differentiate between them, you could differentiate between the 250s, 500s and 1000s in different ways like that. Um, and that's, I think, one way you could do it, but that's not necessarily specific to doubles. Um, but yeah, I, I think we can go to sudden death and a full third before long. Um, in the slams. And my, and my last question, guys, and I want to throw this to you first, Noah. The 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 ATP we mentioned, the ATP Council, you know, as they as they met last night, that they're, they're undergoing a a big doubles review. You know, twenty twenty three. You know, that's you know, it'll be interesting to see what comes out of that over the next few months. You know, I I I heard that it was a, a, a good three, four hour discussion last night and not just on doubles, but it was very interesting, you know, um, lots of, lots of good points that were made. Where do you see the landscape of doubles ATP WTA level in five years time? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think tennis is going to go in this direction. I think with the rise of PTPA and then kind of enforcing this evolution that's been, long overdue to some extent um i think tennis is going to go um i think calvin was saying this a bit was you know to just new and improved you know whether that's shorter scoring systems more exciting more festival feel whatever it may be uh tennis has to market to that because you know superstars come and go you know will we see superstars even though we have you know Svatek and alcaraz you know are they at the same level as Federer and Serena, I think that's still up for discussion. Um, so if we're going to lose superstars like that and we're going to go to a place of less <laughs> to some extent where they're not transcending the sport quite the same, you know, then the product itself has to evolve. And I think that's where tennis goes. I think that's where doubles goes quicker, more exciting, different scoring systems. Um, I think that, you know, the, the challenger tour is an easy place to start things like that. I think we're going to see experimenting on that front. Um, I don't know if doubles is in that mix as well for experimentation, um, but I've heard these rumors where they could possibly experiment at kind of that level to see how something new could look like, what it could look like. And we'll see. I mean, I think in five years from now, uh, it would be much shorter. You know, I don't know what that means. I, I know they next gen, they did the, you know, three out of five to four, you know, things like that. I mean, I think we could see even shorter. So I'm not sure, you know, the attention spans of young kids getting to the sport is smaller and smaller. So we'll see what they have. I think it was interesting that when Live Golf came along, that all of a sudden the PGA started to innovate, you know, and all of a sudden there was pots of gold that were found and there was, there was certain, you know, changes that, 
let's be honest, if they weren't challenged by and they were still running a monopoly, probably that that same system and same way of working would would continue. You know, so uh, PTPA is a different s- subject, of course. However, that challenge of the status quo is the world that we're now living in. You know, and, and 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 certainly in tennis as well. And for for you, Jamie, you know, hopefully you're still going in five years, mate. But you know, where where do you see doubles going over the over the next four or five years? Honestly, no, I no idea. Honestly, no idea because for me, I, yeah, I I don't know what the the tour kind of I don't know what their their goals are with it, um, and. Yeah, I don't know if, if they would be willing to make the effort, I would say minimal effort really, to give the product the best chance to to succeed. So without that, it's difficult to Yeah, it's difficult it's difficult to know. But what I will say is, you know, I started playing the tour in two thousand seven and it's twenty twenty three now and you know, tennis has grown exponentially in that time the events that are on the tour now, the Grand Slams, like it's crazy how good all these <laughs> events are and how well looked after the, the players are and the finances that they're that they're incurring. And also from I mean purely from a doubles point of view, you know, with streaming and stuff now you can follow so much more of the doubles game and it's so noticeable at the tournaments because the fans that are there, they know a lot more of the players because they can watch them you know, on tennis TV or, or whatever through the year, and they can they can follow their their favorites, and I know that that makes a big a big difference in you know the marketing and the promotion of the of the sport. But you know, are there people from the tour, for example, walking around the grounds and kind of getting that feel from the fans that are buying tickets and turning up to to watch? I don't, I I, I don't know. Honestly, don't know. And that goes back to your original point, Noah. If if the there isn't the intention to do it, <laughs> then <laughs> then we have problems, don't we? And Calv, to to bring you in, I ultimately, you know, I said before we began off air, this was not about Riley Opelka. I I thank someone like Riley giving those opinions. Actually, I think it's good. I think because I think often when these big statements are made, it actually it, it opens up conversation. You know, and I, and I think. There's, there's not. We all need a bit of that in, in this, in this world as well. You know, you're working right now, you know, with guys that have made their way through the Challenger Tour on the double side. You know, you've still got another player in there, but starting to make the way now into ATP events, Grand Slams. Where, where would you like to see it, or where do you think the the sport is going, and specifically doubles is going in the next five years? Um. Well, I hope they don't get rid of it, like Riley Pelka said, or 75% of this podcast would be out of work for stars, wouldn't we? So, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I, it's tough to tell. It'll still be around. They'll, they'll, they'll won't get rid of it. I mean, I do worry that they'll try and, I do worry what the PTPA will do with it uh, if, if they get any sort of power, because I'm, I'm, I've got concerns about the motives of that group of people anyway, because I think it's basically been set up to make sure that more money goes into the back end of singles major tournaments. And that's not where I think the money of in tennis needs to be directed at. The winners of Grand Slams don't need to be getting more than $2 million. Um, but there are other areas of tennis that does need money, other, other tennis players that could do with more money. Um, that is a concern for me. I think it'll still be around. I think we'll see more playing around with the scoring system. I do think they need to deal with the situation of singles players uh, going into doubles tournaments. They, I know they want more of it, but it's just messing the tournaments up. Last week, I could have told you exactly which pairs weren't going to complete the tournament um, about a day before each of them pulled out. Yeah, um, it, it was no surprise on any of that. I mean, there was Stan Wawrinka was still in the tournament, and I knew when he lost the second set against um, Holger Rune that there's no way he was playing his next tennis match, whether he won or lost. Um, and they need to find a way of dealing with that. Um, I don't know how they'll deal with that. But do you know how the... do you know how they deal with that in the WTA? So WTA singles players. I mean, and actually, WTA there's a lot higher percentage of singles players play. However, if you if you play and pull out, 
you're then not able to enter the next X amount of tournaments. Yeah, that's how it should be. It's 100% how it should be. Um, I mean, there are other ways they can do with it. I don't know whether, you know, maybe you have two less direct entries and you give two wild cards and you can give those to singles players if you want. But they shouldn't be allowed to. Everyone knows that basically when they enter tournaments, they always enter Indian Wells. It's it's a thing that they do. And all they're really wanting is wanting an extra match on the courts. And I don't know why they just don't stick an exhibition on for whoever wants to play earlier on in the week. Because if, if they're still... If they're still in the singles after the second round, they're not going to want to play doubles. And if they're out of the singles after the second round, they're not going to want to play doubles because they want to get to Miami. And that's that's all that keeps happening. And it's happening regularly at the tournaments. And, you know, it need, that needs dealing with. True that. My, my, my flip side of that, though, Cal, as a tennis fan, I thought the doubles draw was really exciting in Indian Wells. Like um, it, was, it, it was, it was, but I mean, it was a bit like half the, I think, I do think half the problem with last week was that all the singles players who were playing together all drew each other in the first round. So you were going to have like, there was definitely going to be, I think four of them in the second round anyway. And they may have just got minced by the doubles players. Um, I think, but yeah, look, it's great. Uh, who doesn't want to see Francis TFO and Stan Wawrinka playing doubles? But you're only going to see them playing doubles together if you watch them in the first round. Because they're not going to play after that. So why not just stick an exhibition on? If they want court time, say to them, right, we'll stick you you two against Rublev oh, and Hatchinov. Donald Duck and Taylor Swift. Yeah, do that. <laughs> have a tie-break tens. Have a tie-break tens for doubles on, on the first night. They can well, that get was sold out. Well, that, way, but, the tie-break tens yeah. event was a massive, one for double, massively one for doubles. sold out. They yeah. did a doubles, mixed doubles in Indian yeah. Wales. And it was fully sold out. Um, everyone I spoke to said it was the event of the week, actually. The, the tiebreak tens, doubles yeah. event. They were all sitting in Nobu, eating their, you know, doing what they do. And 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 for them, that was that was the most entertainment that they had all week, you know, as fans. But so there's something to be said for that as well. They're not playing, though. They're not playing that tennis tournament to win the doubles. None of them have got any interest in winning the doubles. Francis Tiafoe's not not there. He doesn't want to be hanging around on Saturday playing doubles. Either he wants to be down in my Miami, if he's out of the tournament, or he wants to be playing, focusing on his singles semi-final that he's going to have to play in an hour's time. It, it it's just not feasible that that they're going to do that, and everybody knows it. it's not. I'm not saying it should be the case, but everybody knows it is going to be the case. So they've got to find a way of of dealing with that. Boys, it's it's always great to get your opinions. I think it's you know there's many many topics we could have tackled. I think I think ultimately. In, in a sport that we love, in an industry that we we love, and we've all made a living for for so many years in various in various forms. Ultimately, we want to encourage more people to to make a living in in our industry, right? You know, and that's that's the point that I'd like to leave with. You know, whether that's singles, doubles, triples, coaching, stringing rackets, you know, what whatever that might be. You know, let's get let's keep getting this sport on the map. Let's keep marketing it the right way, making more stars, getting more money, and and ultimately growing the ecosystem. So, you guys coming together and discussing this, you know, and people sitting at home or sitting in the car listening to this helps towards that. So, a big big thank you for for your time, guys. And uh, Jamie, I'll see you tomorrow, boys. Uh, I hope I'll see you down the line somewhere later on this year. Thanks for coming on, guys. Thanks for having us, Kuna. Thanks, guys. See you later. Well, I, I, I think it's a, it's a highly emotive topic, and I, I thank the boys for coming on, and and discussing that with with such openness. And you know, I, I, my aim of of this episode was was to make sure that you know, there's lots of lots of fair points being made, lots of honest transparent points being made and we've actually thrown it out as well to our social media to, to hear what you think and thank you for so many of you that got back in touch and I'm just going to read a couple of them out and to start with we've got Kay Gilbert who said what people watch is partly a function of what is promoted not just the quality or the talent and Kay that's exactly the point we were making there, you know, I had a bit of a laugh about the Donald Duck, Taylor Swift, but exactly that. Then they're, they're not looking necessarily at the quality. They're looking at 
what's been promoted, who we know. And and I think that's a really important point. So thank you for that. We've got here DK Tennis Coaching, and that's not me. Uh, and that says, agree, singles is the ultimate match performance for athletes and most fun to watch for fans. You know, and I think it's great to get both sides. You know, different people will have different opinions. And isn't that what we absolutely love about this? We've got here, uh, I'll not say the name, but I know that it's a, it's an ATP Tour doubles coach that's just said he's lost his head. And I think some people are thinking that as well, but I like it. Like I said to Calvin at the end there, I like that we've got characters like Riley Opelka who say what they think. You know, Dan Evans is another one, and we don't all have to agree all the time, but it's thought-provoking and it gets conversation going. We then got Charlie Barry, who it's saying tennis isn't just about the pros. You know, doubles allows people of all ages to still compete and enjoy and pro to a doubles is exciting. And some of the best matches he's ever seen are doubles. And I think it does have polarizing thoughts. I think we all agree that the form of the game that is singles is beautiful. And the form of the game that is doubles is also beautiful. And why can't we have both? You know, and that's that's certainly certainly my my take on it. I I think the points were made quite clearly there throughout the episode, you know, and, and, and it would have been nice. I invited Riley Opelka to come on. I also, Dan Evans was going to come on and I know Dan loves doubles, but he has had some quite strong things to say. And I think it's important that we do take that on board as well. You know, that there is an element that some people will, will think that, singles is the is the more purest form of the game but i like what calvin said i like that he what he said about cricket and they're, they're filling the stadiums by having different forms you know and some people will naturally have the skills to be able to play better 2020 cricket and some test match cricket and some people will have the skills to be able to play better doubles it's a different skill set and some people will have it for the singles as well and ultimately as a sport let's keep getting all of these beautiful tennis matches out there let's get these characters let's build stars and, and build role models for the future to for, so we can continue getting more and more people into our sport when there is so much other comp competition right now. And I urge you uh, as you're listening to this to, to go buy a ticket. When When's the next ATP WTA challenger ITF event, wherever it is that's close to you, you know, go and, go and support it, get yourself out there. And I'd love to hear also from all of you, you know, get in touch with us on ctc.podcast at sototennis.com and also on all of our social media channels, which is CTC Podcast or Soto Tennis. And let us know, you know, who who are you buying a ticket for? You know, why why are you going to Wimbledon? Why are you going to the US Open? You know, is it for a specific player? Is it for singles? Is it for doubles? Is it for men's tennis? Is it for women's tennis? Is it the whole package? You know, are we are we getting into this infighting like Noah says that we just don't need to be getting into and just celebrate the quality, the success and the characters that we have in our sport, the the, the sport that we all love. And, and, and that's how it is. You know, we don't always have to overanalyze it. That being said, I will be interested to see what comes of the review over the next 12 months on the ATP for, for doubles and as soon as that comes out, we'll be able to share that information as well on the on the podcast. And maybe we'll get some people back to discuss it as well. And maybe at that point, Riley will also be ready to come on because we want to hear his thoughts as well. You know, we it's it's important that we get all different aspects of the argument. But guys, I, I hope you are well. Thank you for listening. As as always, as I said at the start of the show, a big, big plea. To, to vote, control the controllables. We're excited, we're humbled to be voted again and shortlisted for the Sports Podcast of, of the Year Awards. Please take your time to do that. It, it helps us a lot. 
You know, there's lots of people in this industry now that are, are talking about this podcast, but let's keep getting it far and wide. And I hope you enjoy the 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 Miami ATP WTA 1000 event this next couple of weeks. There's lots of exciting matches. The courts are a little bit quicker. They're a little bit bouncier. And the, the draw, once again, has put some fantastic matches out there. The time difference for anybody in Europe is maybe a little bit easier than than it was in Indian Wells the last couple of weeks. So enjoy that wherever you are. I hope my boys, Lloyd and Harry, can make a great run in the doubles. But wishing everyone else the best of luck over the next couple of weeks. And until next time, I'm Dan Keenan, and we are Control the Controllables.